0: Maria Reddish, welcome to Combat Files. Hi. I'd like to introduce you. You are uh, a two-time TEDx Talk uh, speaker, international uh, keynote speaker, um, thought leader on resilience, uh, international adaptability and human potential. Mouthful. Great. Uh, Ex-lawyer, group trainer, and board advisor. That's a lot of things. Where do you get the time?
1: I'm a smart cookie, and uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I used to uh, cut down on my sleep too much.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's 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 interesting because obviously, um, you have been a lawyer in in the past, and you've done quite a few, a couple of law degrees, um, some. Uh, uh, a master of tax, taxation um wow that, that's 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 quite a lot there uh, w- clearly i mean you 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 wanted to help people because that's what lawyers do generally that's why people get into um that profession is that something that you've carried right through your life yes. wanting to help
1: yeah Yeah, at least for me it was uh, the reason why when I was 16 and I was starting my first degree, um, I wanted to be a lawyer to help others. Uh, And it was an amazing part of my journey. I learned a lot and I helped a lot of people. Uh, But what I'm doing now is even more rewarding. Uh, I can help more people in more ways and um, yeah. So I'm a recovering lawyer. <laughs> it's in the past.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and and uh, very interestingly, uh, in one of the TEDx talks um, last year in 2019, uh, you very emotionally talked about a burnout that you had a couple of years ago. Do you want to um, sort of elaborate on that a little bit more?
1: Yeah, Just most of my life, for more than three decades, I kept grinding and stressing out and i was constantly in motion i was measuring my success by how busy i was and i just neglected myself and regardless although so many people kept telling me to slow down and to you know Take care of myself get some rest um eat better sleep better i didn't listen <laughs> you know because there's so much i wanted to do and i just didn't listen and uh i thought it was lazy talk you know just lazy people saying things like that and i had to learn it a very hard way very painful hard way that yes it's really important to take care of yourself
0: and where did that sort of manifest itself originally do you think that it was something that um, you had seen when you were younger as a child
1: Well, I grew up in uh, times of Soviet Union and I lived in Russia and Ukraine and I just saw the way my family members uh, lived their lives, in particular my grandmother and my dad. They both kept grinding and um, never taking care of themselves, both brilliant doctors by the way. So for them it was always about taking care of others and they always neglected their own health and well-being and it was constantly being busy, 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 grinding. Um, my dad, in particular, was also stressing out a lot. Um, he was trying to provide for his family, and it was a very, very tough time. So he was constantly anxious. He was constantly worried about what's to come, and it's something that I just picked up from him—both habit of being busy and habit of being anxious. Yeah,
0: and it, it it does manifest itself as you as you grow up. You don't realize it um, that you pick up these things. Um, in in childhood um, you you talk a lot about um, <clears throat> mental health well being anxiety depression um, obviously your two tedx talks were based around that and a number of uh, posts on social media uh, you've done a fair amount of research on it also um, with with your with your uh burnout um how did you when did you realize that you were in trouble?
1: When it was too late. <laughs> when it was too late, yes. And uh, when I would spend two hours trying to get out of bed, I was in so much pain. I was in pain all over. And it it went on for a decade. Um, <clears throat> after I moved countries, I developed severe joint pain. And it just interfered so much with my life, the quality of my life, and in particular, I couldn't sleep properly. I was going to bed in pain, I was waking up even in greater pain. And for a decade, I couldn't find the right specialist to finally find out what was happening to me. So, of course, it was all... um, I was wilting away. And um, it got to the point where, yes, like in, in the morning, I would be so exhausted. I just couldn't get up, get out of the bed. And then I would have three copies and even that wouldn't help. And my brain just wasn't functioning. I was, it felt like I was in a fog all the time. Besides being in pain, I was also mentally in a fog.
0: Did you seek help?
1: I did, but it took a decade to find the right specialist. Because when I went to doctors, different doctors and a particular nutritionist, um, GPs would always tell me that I was low on vitamin D and there's nothing else they could find. And nutritionists would always give me just a very generic cookie cutter pr- approach advice, you know, eat that, don't eat this. So no one actually tested me properly. No one got to the root of the problem. And I'm so grateful it was stroke of luck through networking. I met a person who, who is a DNA performance specialist and she is expert in particular on nutrition and gut bacteria. Right. So she finally tested me for all the right things and created a strategy for me to climb out. So I owe her my life.
0: And and, and that's that's interesting because it ultimately what was affecting you was the um, was the ingredients that you were consuming um, that had an impact on your health. You talk about anxiety and depression, and you say that um, those two things are not an illness but a symptom. Uh, Tell me a little bit more about that.
1: I think they both were labeled as illnesses too little too soon. I do strongly believe um, from my own experience and experience of my friends and acquaintances and through my research that both anxiety and depression are just a result of how stressed, stressful life is these days. In particular, you can hear a lot of experts saying that in one day, we experience more negativity and stress than our ancestors in their entire lifespan. And our brain is not used to that. It's not how it functions. So anxiety and depression um, are entailed by all the stress that we encounter and also by what level of resilience we have. So these are two components, the types of stress we have and how resilient we are.
0: And just going back to your, um, your particular uh, burnout, how did you drag yourself out of the position that you're in? Because I, I, that I want to touch upon, and also uh, the, the, the various points, and we've discussed this um, off air about um, the, the elements that uh, leads to depression. So how did, you, how did you drag yourself out of that position?
1: Well, for for a different person, it would vary because we're all very unique. So, for everyone, uh, they need to find out for themselves what is it that's missing, what needs to be addressed. So, in my case, for instance, it was lack of sleep, because I slept maybe three, four hours a night, and it's not how my genetic predisposition is. I mean, the right people, like you have a dna variation and they can recover within four hours and
0: yeah i, I, I nap- sleep four hours roughly four to yeah. five hours a night it's crazy i know but yeah
1: well yeah. no, napoleon napoleon also slept four hours so you're in a good company uh,
0: uh, <laughs> but it's only, 2%, it's only two percent
1: it's only two percent of the population that can recover within four hours Um, For me, I needed somewhere between 7 to 10 hours, and this is what an average person needs. But, for example, Albert Einstein slept 12 hours. So it's all very, very individual, and because I was um, cutting down on sleep significantly, it's something that I needed to address as the very, very first thing and to sleep for longer and also, very importantly, improve the quality of my sleep.
0: Yeah. yeah. So the sleep was one of the main... Um, issues that you addressed the other one was food and, and the the type of food that you were consuming
1: yeah so the sleep uh, it's been proven that sleep is more important than nutrition and exercise um, put together and of course nutrition is very very important because it affects uh, what we eat affects our gut bacteria and uh, gut bacteria affects us so there are so many things that are connected to it. And this is where um, I do elaborate in my TEDx talk more about that. Um, and in my case, because I moved countries, uh, I continue eating the same things that I got used to eating when I was back in Eastern Europe. And in particular, because I grew up on a farm, I was accustomed to having lots of bread and milk and bacon, very Ukrainian <laughs> way of living. Um, so when I moved countries, I didn't realize that things here are very different. And in particular, I hear about that a lot from my international students. I work with a lot of international students from Latin America and Europe. And this, is, this comes up in a conversation very often that they mention that, you know, back there they could eat as much bread as they wanted and they felt just fine. But uh, when they came to Australia, if they eat a pastry or even some form of bread, then they don't feel They don't, they lack energy, they feel bloated, you know, they feel slow, sluggish and um, yeah, so it has to do a lot with of course what we eat but also with how food is grown because in particular um, in Australia uh, wheat itself is very different, the type of wheat that is grown here and it's also grown differently as well and processed differently Uh, and also it's very important how we eat it's it's really 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 important to eat slowly and to share your meals with people that you like it would really significantly improve how much nutrition you get
0: yeah and and let's let's delve into that a little bit more how we eat um, what do you mean by that?
1: well the relationship between us and gut bacteria is a two-way street and Uh, While gut bacteria processes food and gives us nutrition, it also reacts to what's happening in our mind, what's happening in our brain. So for example, when we're eating, if we are stressing out about something or we're distracted, like if we're watching a TV show or just thinking about something else, then gut bacteria also thinks that that food is not important or that food is not good. So it gets less nutrition than it could out of it. You know, But if you're eating slowly, if you're really enjoying uh, what you're having on your plate, if you're paying attention to it, and also, yes, if you share a meal with people that um, bring you joy, <laughs> your gut bacteria thinks that you're excited about that food. And there are other ways of um, bringing joy. Like, for example, now we're, of course, in self-isolation, so it's difficult to... Um, to catch up and what i do in the morning when i cook my breakfast i just dance around the kitchen in my underwear (laughs) so so my microbiome thinks that i'm excited about the food (laughs) so when we know how we function how our microbiome functions how our brain functions we can trick them into doing what we need them to do yeah
0: it's 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 interesting because um if you if you And again, you very kindly shared some information with me before we came on air. Um, Elements that lead up to anxiety and depression. Um, Some of them, um, and i give you a couple of examples, like lack of sunlight you mentioned. Um, uh, Not sleeping was a major factor, as you mentioned. Um, uh, Nutrition, uh, rushing uh, while we're eating um interesting over sanitizing where we are currently wash your hands you know self-isolation that has an impact doesn't it
1: absolutely yeah um everything has to be in moderation and what i see what's happening now with sanitizing You know, all bleach is gone and all hand sanitizer is gone and I can see people constantly carrying a hand sanitizer on their belts and constantly squishing into their hands. Uh, And I know that some people think that the more dishwashing liquid they put on a plate, the better. But all those things are antibacterial. So if it gets into our system and it does get into our system, it affects our gut bacteria. Um, So it, it it impacts it negatively. And as a result, um, our immune system gets weaker. So it's very important to do all those things in moderation and um, in particular with dishwashing liquid, make sure you wash it off properly because if it's on the plate with food, it will just get into our
0: system. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you, in in that list also, there's um, lack of physical touch. Now, I want to bring in some uh, a discussion you and I had Previously about um, a particular website is the five love, love languages, um, and how that is kind of dovetails into um, lack of physical touch. let's Let's talk about that. I mean, explain what is five five love languages in terms of the website. How does that help us?
1: Well, we brought up thinking that we should treat other people the way we want to be treated. But the truth is that we need to treat others the way they need to be treated. So, five languages is an amazing book and an incredible website where you can get um, go through a quiz, and it takes like ten minutes, and you can find out what are the ways that you would feel cared for, uh, and how you sh- how you can show care to others. So, it's all very there are five main love languages, five um, ways to feel loved, to feel cared for, and to give care. So one of them is physical touch. Another one is words of affirmation, that is compliments. Another one is gifts. Um, Another one is acts of service. So for example, making a coffee for someone. Um, Yes, it could be something very, very simple. So although we have all five languages, each and every one of us, there is a difference between what's more important to us. So for me, for example, also physical touch is the most important language. So if I'm feeling down, um, I need to feel cared for. The best thing that a person can do is give me a hug. But the thing is that when I'm trying to comfort someone, when I'm trying to show them my love and my care, I tend to do the same. I tend to uh, give them a hug. But they are a different person. So for them, it might be their last love language. Maybe their main language is uh, words of affirmation, so actually what they need and what would make them feel better is hearing compliments or hearing some words of support. So it's very important uh, to know your love languages so you can explain it to people who dear it to you. And vice versa, to learn love languages of those people who you want to show care and love to. So once you have that information, and there are really incredible tests, it's not just for one person. You can take a test as a couple, you can take tests as uh, as a parent with a child. So incredible resource. I would highly recommend you go to the website and look at the quizzes.
0: Okay, and, and it, it is very, very apt at this current time anyway, because we're living in such close quarters. To improve our, It's an opportunity, actually, to improve our um, communication and understanding of each other. So that's a, that's a great tip. Um, just looking at what we've discussed and looking at um, the other elements that leads to anxiety and depression, exercise is another one that, that um, you know, we discuss off, off air, um, uh, no sex or unsatisfactory sex is another one. When you start looking at it, you you, you refer to these as a cocktail. Um, when you, somebody goes to a bar, you get this cocktail and you've got to deal with that cocktail. Uh, <laughs> Elaborate a little bit on that. What did you mean
1: by that? Yeah, I do believe that life is like a bartender, and it has us uh, those cocktails. You know, and most of gre- most of ingredients in in them are types of stress, and it's um, we respond differently, of course. Uh, same as that, we respond differently to alcohol. So for me, for example, I need just a couple of sips of beer to feel tipsy and someone can have a whole case and uh, they're going to wake up next morning chirpy and refreshed as nothing happened. (laughs) I will feel it for a few days. So the same as with stress, even if we get same types of stress, we react to them differently. And the other element to it is how resilient we are. Um, So I compare resilience to sitting on a three-legged chair. And one leg is at the back and two legs are at the front. And um, if one of the legs is missing or too short or wobbly becomes uncomfortable to sit on the chair and you always have to adjust and you always have to be aware. And even like the slightest blow of the wind can knock you down. But if you build a comfortable chair, if all three legs are strong, then whatever wind happens, whatever storm happens, you can remain sitting on that chair because resilience is about how, You will stand and how you bounce back after whatever life throws at you. So that leg at the back that I mentioned, um, it's our physical and mental state, our physical and mental health. And in regards to two legs at the front, one of them is the depth of our relationships with other people. And the third leg has to do with what are we doing uh, to fulfill ourselves? What is it we're doing professionally? What gives us that fulfillment uh, to realize ourselves? Uh, Yeah. So- Where
0: where was your resilience uh, when you were looking to to drag yourself out of the burnout that you were having? Which was the leg that you needed to address to get you back on track?
1: It was the back leg, the most important one. physical and mental health and in particular physical health yes so something that i neglected through all my life and, and i guess
0: it's it's what i'm trying to sort of um understand is how do you how do you um advise or identify or help somebody who's going through perhaps what you went through um and at the same time being empathetic uh, to their situation, being sensitive to their plight, how do you say to them, you know, be resilient, or, or at least try to pass on that message without saying the word resilient, or, you know, yeah. it's it's a it's a tough one, isn't it?
1: Yeah. It's incredibly difficult to lead yourself and to entail changes within yourself and transform yourself, let alone in another person. And I agree with you completely that we shouldn't be saying be resilient. (laughs) If anything, person's reaction is not going to be what you want it to be. Um, I think the best way is to look at what's happening in their life and see which leg is wobbly or missing or short. And maybe it could be... um, for men, it's often relationships. <laughs> and for women, it's uh, often the back leg, <laughs> yeah. just on average. Yeah, so just start with some small steps, maybe some small techniques. Um, like such a simple thing as to make bed in the morning. It does wonders on so many levels. I'm not going to go into science because we're going to end up talking like for three hours about that. Um, but just to... Um, Suggest to a person to just make your bed the first thing in the morning. It really works and really helps on a lot of levels, in particular with resilience, building resilience.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I had a a chat with a really old friend of mine that I caught up with recently, and he mentioned one of the issues with men is that one, they don't, especially successful men um, who who have had uh, burnouts and breakdowns, they they don't ask for help um that there's a, a big issue and they 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 actually um push everything under the carpet they just they deny they're in denial it's one of the one of the biggest problems that um and and resilience is is interesting because you know it's being talked about a lot in uh, in the press and the social media um, with COVID nineteen and how we're gonna, how it's impacting us, and you know, how resilient are we as individuals going to be when things get back to normal, um, of sorts? How how do you define resilience? What is, in your opinion, your definition?
1: It's an ability to withstand and bounce back. Um, so, it has less to do with what life throws at us. It has more to do with our inner strength, both mental and physical, and how we react to things that are handed to us. Yeah.
0: So, with that in mind, um, and the, the sort of the trajectory you've taken from the point of coming out of your burnout, what is it that worries you in your life? What worries would you have, or do you have fears that you have?
1: Yeah. I really would love to contrib- contribute as much as possible to the world and I hope that I will get enough time to, to give as much as I can yeah.
0: it, it, It's interesting because um, the work that you do um, and you know currently you're involved um, as an advisor on, on a few uh, boards uh, and you're Um, a speaker and a mentor and a group trainer um, talk a little bit about I'm interested in that because it's it's fascinating to see somebody who's who's been you know involved in law then sort of moved across uh, the world um, had a burnout and then you've recreated yourself into this person that's actually advising and helping people it's, it's 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 all it's awesome to actually listen to your story how did you how did you get there how did you how did you how did you get to that point
1: <laughs> i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> ah, such it's, a it's a mindset it's a mindset
0: isn't it though if you think about it it's you know you you, you must have um really thought about this quite a lot to to get yourself out you know the strength of the mind and i guess there's the conscious and the, the unconscious also isn't it that plays its part
1: yeah i feel after my burnout i feel like a phoenix i really feel like i was just burnt into ashes and now i'm spreading my wings and i'm starting to fly but my mission is to make sure that burnouts don't happen to others. This is what I want to prevent. The goal of the TEDx talk wasn't about me whining off the stage (laughs) how badly it was. (laughs) No, the goal was to encourage people to ask to be educated about the principles of human psychology and physiology. I strongly believe I'm convinced it has to be taught starting from kindergarten and through uni and at workplace. It has to be an ongoing education. It has to be a core subject. Uh, These things have to be taught to us because our life has become, even before COVID-19, the life was already so fast-paced, so unpredictable. And just as a species, we're not ready evolutionary to that. So evolution has done for us as much as it could, but it's very, very slow, very slow. So it's time for us to jump onto the driver's seat Because at the moment, what happens, um, I see it as our brain driving a vehicle and us sitting in the back seat. And I believe that we need to swap places. We need to put our brain on the back seat and start driving. Because brain is a very great servant, but a very bad master. So it's one of the things that we need to be taught, how to get your brain to do what's actually good for you. Because our brain is not designed to make us healthy or happy or wealthy or anything else. It's only designed to keep us safe, like to be physically safe in terms of not to get eaten by a lion and not to eat poison berries. (laughs) This is what it's doing, (laughs) you know, very, it's being, but it has become a clumsy friend because there is so much now that we deal with that our brain just doesn't understand. It still thinks there are lions roaming around. You know, it doesn't understand all those stresses that we get bombarded with. It just doesn't understand how to react to it, how to process it. And I think, um, I suspect that depression is just a way of the brain shutting its host down because it gets so overwhelmed with whatever is happening. It just wants to recharge. It needs to have a break and it's just a way to shut the person down so it can recharge. Uh, That's how I see it.
0: Yeah. yeah. So we it, need it, to be
1: taught about those things.
0: Yes, and and it's it's a it's a real sort of I guess it's a bird's eye view that one needs to try to take if they are able to do um, with with all that we are bombarded with from from uh, you know the, the cocktail that you talk about and then have the mindset to be able to say okay you know I need to manage that in such a way and that's not an easy thing to do um, you know the, the the human brain is a funny thing. just today I got a little bit of bad news and it just it sidelined me for a couple of hours just couldn't think I had to really sit myself down and think about you know where I need to be okay get my thoughts together and we move ahead and we we do whatever we need to do but I I, I had a little glimpse of that today and it's 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 very powerful you say clumsy but powerful also at the same time um
1: It's fascinating, but it's very primitive in a lot of ways. And of course, when stress happens, so imagine, like I said, it still thinks that lines are roaming around. So imagine if you actually meet a lion face to face and it's a hungry lion. (laughs) What are you thinking about? About that line, how to save yourself, what to do in that situation? So you become very self-centered and very focused on that particular thing. And you don't think about anything else, let alone build relationships with other people. you know so this is what happens every time we get stressed out that we become very self-centered and self-focused and our brain just keeps focusing on that and it doesn't understand that it's actually not that bad you know something that happened it's not a line it's something that you know it's not gonna matter in five minutes or five days or five years um yeah that's still how it works still how it functions
0: it's it's um, something I want to pick up uh, that you actually uh, put into your bio on on uh, LinkedIn, and it's about um, your role as an advisor on on, on the board. Um, and I quote: "Helping individuals and companies tap into the scientific and and in depth analysis of confidence and collaboration." Confidence and collaboration is a. Is something that's quite dear to you, isn't it? It's something that it's it's a driver in the way that that um, I guess it's your why, isn't it? In a certain way.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, something I didn't tell you. My last name is actually translated as a trusted advisor. Is it? <laughs> I know in English it sounds like a vegetable, but in the original <laughs> language, it actually means trusted advisor. So maybe there's something in my blood. This is why I so love living your name.
0: You're living (laughs) in.
1: Yes. (laughs) This is why I so love being uh, on a board and being a board advisor. I just love brainstorming and finding solution to whatever comes up. Uh, I love um, and being on a board is about collaboration, and I've been always uh, a huge, huge advocate for collaboration. I could never understand people who compete. I mean, in sports I can understand, but just like on a daily basis I could never understand people who have that uh, competing attitude. Um, If anything, I was always um, striving to collaborate with others. And it was uh, an incredible delight when Sean Aker published his book called Big Potential, because everything that I felt uh, felt just in my bones. He backed it up by his research and his experience. So for over a decade, he was researching on collaboration and the book is absolutely amazing and it tells us that, you know, by yourself, you can reach only to a certain point, but if you collaborate with other people, this is when you can reach your true potential together as, as a group and as an individual. Um, So I strongly recommend you read this book. It's on my nightstand permanently. It's one of my favorites. I love reading it and I love how he just supports with his experience and research. Um, And he traveled all around the world. He worked with um, corporate clients and secret clients, top secret clients. And he used to teach in Harvard. And um, so his work experience and his research came together into this book and he proves that collaboration is the way to go into the future yeah
0: um and i guess that's what you meant by the scientific in that statement
1: yeah i like to get deeper into things and to dig out the insights interesting and important insights i don't like to just scratch the surface. I really like to get to the bottom of the things and connect the dots, because this is what's uh, lacking in particular at the moment that most of the experts, they, they focus only on one thing and they just go in depth with it and they don't connect the dots from adjacent studies or adjacent areas. And this is how often they don't, they say, okay, this is, happens, but I don't know why. But if they looked at um, what other experts are doing in different other fields, then they would be able to understand why this happens this way. So this is what I do, I connect the dots.
0: And and in your opinion, um, especially, I guess, where we are again, referring to the current times and, you know, where businesses, especially businesses are. Um, I know in the UK, it's, 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 it's very touch and go with a lot of businesses. Um, I guess having having a, a mentors and advisors on on, on at board level is is quite an important thing to have. Um, do you think that this is something that's going to be more prevalent in the in the coming years? I sure hope so. Yes,
1: because it's becoming more and more diff- more and more complicated to make decisions in life and in business. And if you have proper advisors around you, then together you can find, okay, how do we get out of this situation faster and what would be the better way to deal with it? Um, So when you put a few minds together that have as a goal to help you, and to get out of it, um, then you will reach, because there is no such thing as the right decision, but there are decisions that are good and not good. <laughs> yeah. So you you can reach that good decision uh, much quicker. And now it's very important to for decision-making to be a quicker process, because just life is really, really fast.
0: Yeah, and, and I guess things are changing so fast that sometimes, I remember when I was running a business for nearly 27 years, Twenty-eight years, and we didn't have a non-exec director or a advisor on our board. And you get lost between, you know, the wood from the trees, so to speak, because you're so involved into into the day-to-day that there's no outside view coming into the into the board, and you're just basically flogging a dead donkey, effectively, um, you know. And and that's the way sometimes I felt. Um, and you know, hindsight's a great thing, but uh, you know, I know David Burns talked about. Um, not only about collaboration, but he talked about, um, uh, you know, having a a team around you of advisors, of of non-exec directors who come in and give you that outside view, or at least say to you, as you come in, maybe once a month, whatever, and say, well, have you considered doing it this way? Mm -hmm. Um, Which is, I think, very, very important to where we're going, over the next uh, few years, not even months, I think, years to come. Yeah. Um, what, what, what is it that... What's your driver? What's, what drives you? What's that flame inside that gives you that oomph?
1: I love uh, being creative, and I love helping, and I really would love to contribute as much as possible. Um, within whatever time I'm given and yeah it really really makes me excited. where do
0: you see yourself in five years I mean you have you got a plan
1: in five years I want to help a billion of people to be happy and healthier and one of the things I can see myself in a stage in front of 50 hundred thousand people at the time because the more people I can speak to the more people I can help um
0: so yeah i'd love to do that Uh, maria thank you very much for coming and spending some time with me um before we sign off i just wanted to ask you is there a final thought a final message that you want to put out to the listeners
1: yeah um, start eating slowly and start sharing your meals with people that you like and love. And you know, you can use Zoom, WhatsApp, Skype, but it doesn't have to be face-to-face. And this way you can start um, working on two legs of your resilience chair, in particular um, to improve quality of your relationships with um, people around you and to improve um, your health as well. So yeah, eat slowly and share your meals with people that bring you joy. <laughs>
0: Thank you very much and thank you for your time. And to all the listeners, um, uh, Maria's contact details and social media contacts will be listed at the end of the show. Um, It'll also be on uh, my posts as I post um, various snippets and the main video out. Um, Maria, Raj, thank you very much for coming on Combat Files. I'm really grateful for your time. Thank you very much. My pleasure. So everyone, Um, look after yourself, look after others. God bless.